Hi, everybody. This is Kevin O'Donoghue, licensed New York State mental health counselor. And this is Nasima Diane Deemer, licensed massage therapist and trauma specialist. And this is The Positive Mind. Bringing you some ideas, concepts, and guests. Try and help you lead a more positively-minded life. And how are you out there? How are we doing now? We want to talk about how you're feeling. You know, Nasima, it's going into the fifth month now, and it is uh, this pandemic. Fifth month, and, you know, I'm just trying to take a, a temperature, a, a feeling temperature midweek. How am I feeling? Am I feeling? What am I feeling? And I thought this would be a great idea for a psychology show, a show in psychology, mental health, positive psychology. How are you feeling? Right? When you go into a therapist's office, what's the, the famous question? What makes you, how do you feel about that? Right? Well, what, what's happened with you and your feelings during this pandemic? Did you forget them? Do you still have them? Where are feelings? Where are they in your body? Where do they go? When do they come up? We're going to talk about feelings today. This is The Positive Mind. And in talking about feelings, we're going to be even more specific about talking about emotions. Feelings, you can feel a feeling. You can feel an emotion. So we'll sort okay, of Okay, so let's say you feel, you, you, you feel guilty, right? Yeah. Some people say, I feel That's not an emotion. What is that? Guilt is not an emotion. Like anger is an emotion. It's an energy. Right. Right. There is a bodily reaction, I think, when you have guilt. And there's a bodily reaction to anger. So, Well, there's a, a clear bodily anger, a, almost a whole organic mm. response when you're in anger. Same thing with sadness, right? It's like your whole body is sad. But guilt is more of a thought. It's like I think that. I can see the guilt. Mm -hmm. I can see what's causing the guilt and everything. I, you know, it, it, it appears as a thought, whereas... Anger just is visceral. It's organic. It's part of your system. It's your body. Your whole body is responding. So, so we're asking, where are feelings or where are emotions in your body? What kind of emotions are you having? We don't need to dispute what a feeling is, what an emotion is. We want, we want to find out how are you feeling? What emotions are you having? So I thought about this midweek, and I thought, you know, I've blunted my feelings and I've blunted my emotions. I mean, and I was thinking, and I just caught myself like, wow, I'm not having a reaction to that. I'm not having a reaction to that. I'm not having a reaction to that. And I'm just, and you know, it kind of, I was a little down about it. I was like a little sad, like, oh, not only is the world having less options in it, my emotional range is narrower. It, seems like people are and and also myself like I'm a little surprised by the fact I'm not feeling more about this and I think I'm kind of struggling with a little bit of overwhelm like there's just so much bad news I think we're really being hit multiple times with different stressful layers of news and things that are happening in our world that are out of out of our control yeah it's got this sort of underlying stress that I think has kind of sucked a lot of the life out of me and I think some of the people I know. Yes. And maybe it's sucked the life out of you. And and that's the thing. Emotions emotions do help us feel alive in some way. When they're feeling blunted, it might just feel like like 
yeah, just there's a drain that everything's going into yes, somehow. Yes. And it can be hard to get to that place of like feeling any emotion because you feel guilty feeling happy these days. You feel maybe overwhelmed feeling sad. Yeah, I, you know, I'm there's a certain to... layer of like, uh, you know, some good things have happened in my life. It's hard to celebrate that in the midst right. of all it's of this. It's almost like when you see somebody really happy, it's like you turn to your friends and say, what are they happy about? <laughs> <laughs> So we want to recognize these things. They are happening to us and to probably everybody out there in the world. Mm -hmm. And, of course, um, you know, it makes sense that we would take control of our emotions through all of this. I mean, where are they to go in a sense, right? You don't – there's no place to put them, you know, where our physical activities are restricted and constricted. Uh, Our play activities are restricted and constricted. Our love activities, you know – all of our activities, our professional activities, are restricted and constricted. You know, but last week there was something different. There was hope. You know, last week it was like restaurants were opening. You know, we're in phase three of reopening. And now this week, back to like, you know, mm-hmm. it's scary. It's like it, reopening doesn't make sense right now. So you yeah. could have been animated and excited and have the first sense of excitement in a long time. But I even I wonder that, you know, I don't know anybody who was full tilt excited about the reopening. There is a there is a steady presence of tentativeness about everything that we're doing. So even then, I, I our excitement was sort of muffled. And then, you know, I'm trying to talk about how I'm feeling and why I might be feeling so like flat emotionally or constricted emotionally. And I thought. Well, why wouldn't I be? You get excited about reopening and then you get deflated by the awareness that we need to close down again. Something like that. Well, and that it's the 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 virus is still present and we just really don't know how it's going to move and you know who it's going to take next and there's just yeah, there's just too much unknown and so much underlying fear. You know, we wanted to help you take it take sort of your emotional temperature like everybody's taking their temperature their regular physical temperature now out of hypervigilance I kind of do it every day and everybody's temperature is being taken everywhere but what about your emotional temperature do you care about things that you used to care about or do you not care about things you used to care about you know what I mean yeah that's one of the first things have you limited the amount of things you'll let yourself be interested in. I know I have. I I was thinking about music the other day. I was like, where's all my music? I'm not listening to music as much. I just, I'm not interested. You know, very very strange. I thought, wow, that's really something that's obviously different than my normal functioning. So there it is. That's something that's gone for me. What do you feel you are listening to instead? Nothing. I mean, I'm irritated you know, by music at times now, you know, um, and I don't want to be bothered like to think about the different genres that I like. So which one should I pick? And then I oh, forget it. I don't want to listen to any of it. Right. You know, so it sounds like, you know, something that you enjoyed has got now this layer of irritation to it. Yes. And so because of that, it's like, why even bother? Yes. Why, why even move towards it? And that that's a hallmark of what we call like emotional blunting. We're starting Mm. to sort of pull back and pull in and restrict and constrict our emotional world. I thought about, you know, I haven't been in a museum 
in four and a half months. And and a work of art, like the stimulation of a work of art or something. I'm like, I haven't experienced it. And the things on TV, the normal things on television, the normal TV channels, even on cable channels, it's all the same thing. I mean, uh, there's nothing stimulating there. I don't know what's going on in Hollywood or what. Well, they can't produce any movies. Right. They can't do anything new. So we're going to see the end of that we're gonna see a lot of reruns i think well that's what you've been watching cable in new york city you've been seeing like there's this 10 standard best movies that that all of the major uh pay-per-view channels are playing and if i see you know casino one more time i'm gonna you know (laughs) but this is really i mean this is what's going on we're being taught we're being starved of stimulation right so new movies and music um, and traveling, you know, even traveling. I mean, our life has been limited in so many ways. And I see this happen with um, people who have physical pain, who have things happen in their lives that start to limit their ability to live their life. And right now we have sort of a global life limiting like I love this, like, this blunting. It's like somebody coming in with it with the trimming shears. We have to sort of clip off. Some of our emotion, you know, and sort of to contain ourselves and be, you know, okay with this, which a lot of people aren't okay with it. It's a real challenge. You know, it it makes me think of a back pain. Like when you have back pain, right? You, or chronic bad back, you know, you limit how you're going to move in the world. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to get that twinge of a sudden movement. So you're always watching, oh, you know, how am I moving? How am I not going to upset this? And it's similar to what's going on in terms of our movement out in the world. Like, we're re- our range is very narrowed. So let's read off some of these um, these symptoms of what you could be feeling because of this habit. And it makes all the sense in the world that you would be not having a very vibrant, emotional, and feeling world right now. How are you with music, by the way, right now, or with art? Um, or responding to your children. But here's the list of that we came on. You feel that you're without emotion, and emotionless, and you feel you don't care about anything, especially things you used to care about. Your emotions, when you have them, feel at about 50%. About 50%. I think that's accurate. About 50%. I mean, I'm not going to get really animated about something. Mm. First of all, nobody's going to join me in it because they're watching their emotions. And secondly, because nothing's going to come of it. Nothing's going to change. So let me keep my rein on my emotions. Uh, And, I mean, I guess this other one might be next week. You feel disconnected from your emotions. So let's talk a little bit about emotions. What do you think, Nasima? How many emotions are there? Well, we've talked about five in the past, but we had we we found another list and found another one. We found another list. Well, six emotions. Okay. Happiness, fear, sadness, anger, disgust, and surprise. Talk about surprise because we know about, and I always like to run it down: mad, sad, glad, scared. Those are the four that you mentioned first and now. And what about anxiety or bad? Is that in there? Well, that's fear. Okay. 
Okay. Fear, you know, anxiety is is fear. Oh, okay. Right. I think it's a little different, but we'll we'll accept it for now. Uh, but disgust and surprise. Talk about surprise, because there are none out there. Well, no, I kind of feel like we're constantly being surprised, but not in a good way. <laughs> like the surprises are kind of like, hmm. oh gosh, not this now. Oh, here's another. Oh, oh no, now this, you know, surprise. Right. So when you talk about surprise, I mean, I think as an adult, I very rarely experience surprise. I I mean, I remember being surprised as a kid, you know, but it's almost like nothing you do can surprise me. Tell, tell, what do you, what is this emotion surprise? Well, surprise is interesting because it make it, it can make you feel good or it can make you feel bad. Like right now, I think we're getting hit with a lot of like right. hard surprises. Mm. But surprise is by nature. It's like something you don't, you don't remember having ever happened before because it's very much associated with memory okay. and expectations. Right. So surprise, like this is why a joke is funny. Like there's an element of surprise. Like you uh-huh. think you're going down one path and then yeah. suddenly it's something different and it can be funny. I wonder if it has an element of fear in it, you know, like a birthday surprise. You walk in the door and everybody yells surprise. I mean, sure. I wonder if there's like that moment of fear. So it's the unknown. It's a, it's, it's an unknown. It's something you don't expect. Okay. It's something you don't expect. It's a sudden turn in the story or a turn in your life. Um, that's a surprise. And yeah, it can, it can be shocking. Um, and as I said, it can be a good feeling or a bad feeling. You know, I, I, I just it. can't help thinking, you know, I really want to research this because this, this is a new one, right? They're, they're finding this is a new emotion, and I'm really curious about it because I think, uh, you know, most adults protect themselves against any surprises, right? We're all, like, trying to stay in control, and a surprise is something that comes out of nowhere. Uh, but I could definitely see it as very different than being mad and being glad and being sad and being angry, um, uh, or, you know. So I could see it, but I think it needs a lot more research. Search. But these are these are real, like universal emotions, like across the whole world. These That's, are emotions that every human being exhibits a recognition of. Or an experience with. I see. Like babies can recognize all of these, you know, or young children can recognize all the expressions of these angers. And what they're recognizing is a certain affect. Right? Right. Affect is something else we wanted to talk about in relationship with emotions. Long before we do that, we need to talk about the origin of emotions. Like, because it strikes me that we, all of this goes back to, to, to childhood. I mean, you had your first happy moment. As a child, I mean, assuming that you had a happy moment, I mean, gladness and joy don't show up just in your middle ages and you're shocked and surprised and go, what is that? You, you know, so, you know, your birth could be the first experience you have of joy or, you know, uh, you know, um, breastfeeding could be like the first experience of joy. Like, wow, you go from, let's say, deprivation to actually nourishment or or mad or angry like Right? I mean, I would be angry leaving, you know, the, the comfort of the womb to coming out into all these bright lights and well, metal I, and noises. And I feel like there's a, there's a different um, tone to emotions when you're so young and pre-verbal. However, these experiences are laying, you know, sort of tracks in your brain as far as this was a moment of pleasure 
when I first was fed by my mother. This was a moment of satisfaction and pleasure and yeah. ease and relaxation, hopefully. Okay. And then, and then, you know, times when you were distressed, you had a, you know, dirty diaper or something like that, that moves in, you know, it's like that's an energy that's being associated with a certain feeling uh, in absolutely. the body. Absolutely. And then crying because you're, and then a collapse in, of crying, like babies can c- collapse when the mother is not responding. Yeah. So first there's anger and crying and deprivation for need and then a collapse because the need is not being met. Right. And that could be the first experience of sadness. Yeah. Right? Or, yeah, depression but or it, just loss. It gets really interesting, though, around two or three. You've got the angerectomy. Or, well, I mean, at two, that's when you start expressing your emotions. You start to have a verbal acuity, um, a physical motion, ability to to move in certain ways and choose your movements and, and express your no or your yes or your frustration with a little more uh, cognitive ability. Sure. And you're aware of who you're disappointing. Yeah, or who you're angry at. or In your environment and how you have to keep them happy. If you want to get, you know, things when you want them, mm-hmm. right? So, so I think what unfortunately happens is even at a young age that children learn, as we adult, adults do, to control their emotions, to totally change their emotions to suit their environment. And I call one of them an angerectomy because it's an emotion that your parents are disapproving of. Like they can't manage, especially if you have a lot of brothers and sisters or even a couple. Um, anger, who wants to have an angry child around? It can be hard to control. It can be hard to manage to even be with an angry child if you haven't really managed your anger. You know, if you don't know how to deal with your own anger or you've assumed your own anger and your child is now angry and coming out with his frustrations or her her needs, her wants, and and you can't meet it. And so it becomes a battle. It should actually be a requirement, like, to become a parent. Like, you have to be okay with anger because your kids are going to be angry. Well, and, and you're going to be angry you, too. Of course you are. So many you're doing things. the best you can. And then, you know, you're putting food on the table and and clothing this child and sending them to school and everything, protecting them and doing everything you can to keep them safe. And then they get angry at you. And I mean, like, it's like, how do you handle that? So you're right. So, I mean, I think a requirement to having a child is you have to be accepting of no matter what you're doing and how hard you're trying that your child is still going to get angry at you. And you have to get okay with that. But many parents aren't. And so children learn this magical thing to convince themselves, I'm not angry. I'm a nice boy. I'm a nice girl. Yes, I'll, and be, I, I'll be a good girl. I'll be a I good will boy. please mommy and daddy. And I will please yeah, everybody in my environment, my mommy and daddy's friends. And everybody who comes into my house and everything everybody does to me will be okay. Mm-hmm. Right? An angerectomy. You'll be cooperative. Right. And so then you grow up and, you know, and then you grow up and you, like, mute your anger. Or you're already conditioned to not really be angry. When I think about anger in my home growing up, it was like 
the basis of a humiliation. If you got angry, you were going to be humiliated because that was a sign of not being in control of yourself and therefore not that intelligent. You know, imagine that. Imagine yeah. I'm not allowed to get angry because if I do, I'm going to be humiliated and I'm going to be called, you know, a low IQ person. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so and so I can't use that emotion, that anger, which is so useful in so many things. I mean, great people have achieved greatness through their anger. I mean, huge successes through their anger. And, and and if you've had an angerectomy, you don't have access to that. And so your aliveness is compromised. It's like any emotion is only going to last about five, ten minutes anyway. Even if it gets full expression. You could be, you know, have such aliveness if you allow and have your emotions. But if you're conditioned and trained not to, then... It's probably interfering and interrupting your success in life and your satisfaction and fulfillment in life. And your feeling of aliveness and your feeling of vitality. Right. I mean, emotions, I love one definition of emotion is energy in motion. Mm. I mean, it is an expression of energy in your system. And if you don't learn how to be with your angry energy, your fiery energy... It often comes out as manipulative, um, sort of backdoor kind of work. Oh, there's all sorts of defense so methods. kinds of Everything ways in that, the world. That, that passive you, aggression. Yeah. Think about it. Yeah, passive aggressive. And so, I mean, it's, it's one that I think causes the most problem for people physically and mentally is you know, what to do with this powerful energy of anger. Either you're, 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 you're putting it on other people, you're blaming other people, or you're internalizing it so much that you're, you're like beating yourself up all the time. Would you say the people that you work with as, as a trauma specialist have trouble with anger? Is virtually every one of your clients? Yeah. 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 I, th- I, think, I think just about everybody walking around on this planet is having trouble with anger. Um, it is a really tricky emotion because it has so much energy to it and it can be twisted and turned in so many ways and i would imagine once don't get me angry because once the anger starts coming up uh it's going to trigger so many different things that i won't be able to control especially if you're a trauma person like you have to titrate it i suppose again we're trying to achieve aliveness and anger is critical to feeling alive and so if you're in an office seeking help um, it would be good to know going in. I, I need to get angry. I'm, 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 I'm going to probably get exposed to things. I mean, think about traumatic experiences and how not to be angry at that, and how not to be angry at well, having gone can, through that and having to bear it. Yeah, and and a lot of people get stuck in anger about things that have happened to them, <clears throat> and that that isn't necessarily helpful in treating the trauma. What's helpful in treating the trauma is being able to find a way to renegotiate the trauma where you feel like you're successful in defending yourself. And that's a different use of anger. It's like I can be angry at the person who hurt me, or I can renegotiate that time when that person hurt me, where I can come into my full power and use my anger and my capacity to, to meet that, that situation in a different way. 
And that gives my system, even though I'm imagining it, an opportunity to feel the power of anger to defend. Because that's what this energy is really for, is to defend you from hurt. But I would think it would benefit to do it in front of another person. Like Absolutely. You want, you, Absolutely. You, 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 know, you don't want to renegotiate on your own. You first want to be able to see the anger and see the event. Don't you? I mean, you want not, not necessarily be saturated in the event, in the memory, but bringing your emotion that was experienced at the time in the session and being aware of it and processing it and yelling if you have to and getting angry at the perpetrator if you have to or the incident if you have to. And then I think you, it's mandatory that you need to go through that and then renegotiate. Or am I out of sequence? Well, that is. No, that actually is kind of a renegotiation there. That's just a little bit different way of going at it. But but again, it's like, yeah, coming into that situation where maybe you were attacked, you didn't know it was going to happen, or you knew it was going to happen and you let it happen anyway, which is also something that people can beat themselves up about. Right. It's like, no, now you know what's going to happen. You can see it coming. What do you want to do instead? Mm-hmm. Like, will you just go back and renegotiate that history? And so you might want to like, want to turn get really angry and at yell this at that yes. person and say, stop. Right. No, you can't touch me. You can't do this. Or, or you yes. know, if it's somebody right. who's coming to attack or if it's a car that hit you to right. like have the superhuman powers to stop the car from hitting you. And so that's the accessing your anger and your capacity to to let your body feel that that success in stopping that hurt from happening and that's what anger is really for anger is not meant to like lash out and hurt others although that's what happens a lot that's but re- that's ultimately anger. Yeah, yeah ultimately it's about i need this to defend myself we need healthy aggression right we have defensive orienting reflexes that often in surprise attacks or impacts weren't able to come online and help us and so we kind of give them an opportunity to do that because the body needs to feel successful in defending itself against attack. Right. It's like what's happening out in the world. Um, are people more angry now? It seems like everybody's emotional world is muted. I know mine is muted. But there are spikes of anger coming out. Lots uh, of uh, out anger. There. Because, again, like you really can't defend against this. And in try in being angry out there in the world, you are defending, you know, it's like w- you're defending your rights. Okay, so that's something that I can that I can get angry about and I can use my energy for and feel like I'm protecting myself because it's hard to protect yourself against ha- something you can't see. Yeah. I just have to say that in the media, people are really excited when they're seeing other people angry like there's a spike in videos of people being angry because it gives people an access to their own anger that they're not getting or feeling in general that they've muted in themselves so we're all kind of getting interested in watching these videos of people getting angry in public so that's another aspect what emotions were not accepted when you were young I mean, look at your, take a, just even right now, just take a picture of your your parents and look at your dad in the face or your mom in the face and think, how are they feeling right now? How are they feeling? Like, what, what, is, what is 
the face that you most associate with your dad? Is it a smiley face? Is it a, a dour face? Is it a neutral face? Is it an expressionless face? Is a it disgust. an angry face? Is it a tired face? Take a look at your parents' face. And then you come in the scene with your emotions and think, wow, they don't have to say anything. I know what's not going to please them. I know they're not going to want to see me mad, sad, glad, bad, scared. They don't want to be disturbed. So I think that might have something to do with where people are at today. We're going to take a short musical break and be back with you. I'm Kevin O'Donoghue, licensed mental health counselor. And I'm Nasima Diane-Deemer, and you've been listening to The Positive Mind. And we'll be back in a few moments. back with a positive mind. This is Nasima Diane Deemer, licensed massage therapist. And I'm Kev O'Donoghue, licensed New York State mental health counselor. And we wanted to let you all know that we have a newsletter that we send out to our listeners and people who subscribe uh, every week. And it has notes on the show and um, other Highlights resources. and information. And information. So you can sign up for that at www.tffpp.com. Dot org. That's www.tffpp.org. The Foundation for Positive Psychology. Dot org. And then, of course, the Positive Mind Center is our website. Dot com. Yes. We're, we're two different things there. So we, were le- we left off uh, before the break about seeing your parents' face as a child. Seeing. What, was, what, did, what did that look like? Always, most consistently, what seemed to be the emotion or the affect. Let's talk about this new thing, Nasima. affect. What was your parents' affect and how much control over their affect did they have? So affect is a word that gets thrown around a lot. And it's, this is the first time I've really looked at the definition. So affect is a variability in facial expression pitch of voice, and use of hand and body movements. That's only half of it. Well, let's, ex- let's, let's break it down because it's really how you express your emotion. Let's make it simple, right? 
Yeah, yeah and, but, and but when you talk about these... facial expression, so yeah, some people use their hands when they talk and get very animated, mm-hmm. right? And their face gets livened up and their eyes open wide. And th- we want people to get this. This is like how you display your emotions. Exactly. And so we all have emotions. We all have an emotional life. We're all very feeling beings walking around this planet, being assaulted by stimuli every which way that we have to keep at bay and monitor and filter. And that's the condition of being human. And then how do I display my emotions is is what we call affect. And that, it, it ties into what I'm saying about your parents because if if your parents were burdened, you know, and had tremendous pressure and responsibilities, it would make sense that they would contain their emotions wouldn't express their emotions very much, that they would have a kind of constricted affect. Did your parents have a constricted affect? How about your parents? My parents stayed more on the happy side. Their affect was a little more broad. My mom was pretty animated. Um, My father at times could be animated. Um, I think there was a pretty uh, general, but my mom tended to stay away from pain and sadness. Like that was the not allowed emotion in the house. Um, So we were, you know, she was much more optimistic in life. So we were kind of all sort of brought to the optimistic side of things. Right. And it did make it hard to feel the deeper emotions. Yes. um, The harder emotions. Hmm. So I would say that I had like a sadness and anger ectomy, you know. Right, because it was required that you had to stay upbeat because your mom didn't like anybody be downbeat. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't as as welcomed. You had a sad ectomy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, my dad had a lot of pressure. Right, he was a lawyer and had a lot of kids and a lot of pressure, and so he wasn't going to show emotion most of the time. So he had a very constricted affect. I mean, uh, he couldn't waste any excess energy on anything. So it made sense for him to keep a nice tight button down uh control on all of his emotions. So and he appreciated everybody keeping a control over their emotions when they were with him because then he'd have to manage your emotions which he didn't want to do. So so but let's talk more about affect in general. Um because there are this range so it goes from broad to constricted to blunted to labile which is variant and then flat flat is the bottom so let's talk about flat first because uh, some people know what f- uh, a person or have met a person with a flat affect why don't you tell us what what a flat affect is well a flat affect is often a sign of some depression, but a flat affect is like somebody who just talks with a monotone voice and never really shows much energy in themselves or energy about anything. So and I was, they stay I was, really I was, heavy. I was driving through the hurricane yesterday and uh, an interesting thing came on the radio and this car in front of me was lifted off the ground and I just kept going straight ahead and 
you know, um, I'm, the clouds got darker and it was raining and uh, a nice song came on the radio. Oh, there was a little affect right there. I blew, yeah. I blew it. Yeah. I blew it. You actually said it was nice. You know? This is this is Eeyore, you know, and, and Winnie the Pooh. This is Eeyore. He's got a flat affect. Does he? Yeah. And he's he's usually pretty low. He doesn't show much. It is a much shift in his emotional state. Schizophrenia. It is a classic condition, classic sign of schizophrenia, um, that a person has no emotions, no access. So they don't know what you're talking about. They don't know what you're talking about when you talk about emotion. But what's the difference between a flat affect and alexithymia, which we talked about before? Alexithymia is not having the words. You have the emotion, right? So we say lexi, lexicon, is words. So you don't have the words. So you could be at a party and everybody's happy. And you could be happy too. You just don't have the words. You you just can't recognize what you're feeling. Yeah. A flat affect is like you never have emotions. You don't have any. You have no reaction. So it's... You know, it strikes me, psychopaths, uh, psychopaths have, uh, one aspect could be a flat affect of a psychopath um, because they don't want to betray themselves. They don't want anybody to be onto them. So they've practiced uh, communicating with people in a very neutral, flat way, which doesn't necessarily mean that they are, they have a flat affect. They might have a... um, probably are more labile because they can be incited to um, action and, and criminality and violence. So that would be more of a labile uh, affect. But, but it strikes me psychopaths would, would most characteristically have a flat affect. But I knew people who had a flat affect. I came across people in my childhood and even my adult world who have a flat affect. And it might have been something they learned. Maybe their whole family had kind of a flat affect. Like there was no, there was no, or even culturally, that was the way you kind of were yes. meant to be. And isn't it so sad? I mean, wouldn't the first thing be so, so tell me how hard it was. Tell me how hard it was to have any feelings in your home growing up. Tell me about it. And so you can come out of a flat affect by going to the source where you have the freedom. Okay. Here's a safe place. I can review. I can really see me as a five-year-old and my parents fighting all the time. And I'm learning not to have any emotions or any excitement in my voice when I speak because I want to stay safe. Right. Right. And I don't want to add any any fuel to the fire. Carlton the doorman. Do you remember him? Yeah. You do? Can you do your best? Bit. Can you do your best, Carlton the doorman? Im- I think I think imitation? you do it better. I think you do it better. <laughs> there was this TV show in the seventies. Hi, this is Carlton the doorman. That's a little too That's much. The, okay, all right. I have to get a little more nasally. This is Carlton the doorman. Your laundry is delivered. Your your food is here. Uh, do you know who this is? This is Carlton the doorman. Famous, that's a classic. That's, that's a classic TV show. Rhoda. Flat affect. Flat affect. So we all know what this looks like. And uh, go to the opposite spectrum is a broad affect, which just think of the word broad. You know, you have access to your emotions and you you display them, you express them, you show them. 
I first thing I think about with broad affect is is Italians. They have this wide range expressing with their hands and their faces and their voices and their bodies. It's like they feel their emotions are just straight out there. Yes. Constant. How are Italians, we, if we were taking calls, we'd have them call in because they yeah. would be the first to call in. How are Italians doing dur- during the pandemic? Are they getting together, drinking wine, having nice food, being a, a big family and telling stories? Probably are they, over are they Zoom. still doing it? Probably over Zoom. I, I can imagine. They really? Are. Yep. You know, because I have an Irish background, we have our ways of handling affect and emotions. Mm-hmm. We we're, we're, we're tend to be a more constricted um, emotional, expressive people. But, of course, when we have our fun, then all sorts of emotions come out. But but I think very different than the Italians because there's this, this heritage of shame that you can't make a mistake as an Irishman in some ways. You can't act out in a certain way. So there's always shame in the background. So that has an effect on your affect, a constriction. So there's the broad affect. So there are ethnic, ethnic cultures that that um, celebrate a wide display of emotion. And it's a beautiful characteristic of many cultures, many cultures. And And when I think of that, I think there's a kind of flow of energy in the body. I mean, sometimes it can feel like somebody who comes from more of a constricted affect, too. It's like it can be a little disconcerting. I don't know quite know what to do with all that energy that they're showing. But um, but it's like, oh, that's just another way of feeling and expressing emotion. And when I witness it, I'm like, wow, there's just such a free flow of the energy. There's such a vitality and aliveness in seeing someone with a broad affect. They're unashamed yes. of their emotions and their feeling ground. Yes. and. Yeah. And they're just they're just out there with it, and in a way you feel you can feel a little more connected to them because they're they're ready to be there. Yes, and you share feel it. safe. You yes. don't think anything is concealed, right? So you don't have to watch everything you do or say because they're so free and flowing in what they're doing and saying. So I think a cure for a constricted effort is marrying Italian. Hang <laughs> out with Italians, or, someone or with some other affect. culture like the like the Egyptians, right? Or well, I think we see this too. Mm-hmm. A lot of couples will be opposite affect, right? One will be a little flatter, one will be more expressive. It's absolutely like there's one that's sort of holding the emotional ground right. of the rela- relationship, and the other one's sort of holding the the logical ground. Do you think you Carlton know? was married? Carlton the doorman. Do you think? I don't think he was married. Who knows? <laughs> but imagine being so, married to Carlton the doorman. How are you today? <laughs> so, you know, yeah. another thing that, you know, we're talking about broad affect and then constricted affect, which is just a little bit underneath that. Not a little. It's it's a lot underneath that. There's broad affect and it takes up a wide spectrum. And then there's constricted, which is very different. It's not a, a, just a, a degree. I think constricted and bluntedness are closer, but blunted is is actually not even knowing what emotion you're having. It's not quite flat, but it is um, not even knowing necessarily what the emotion might be there. Constricted is like maintaining control over your emotions and over the display of your emotions. So I, I see a blunted affect as like, you know, maybe at a sad movie you get just one tear that comes out. Yep. It may be just one little blip on your screen of, oh, that was sad. Okay. And then you're, you're back to your baseline. 
Okay. You know, and like, you know, oh, that was funny, but I don't really laugh out loud. I just kind of chuckle to myself. You know, it's just a little, mm-hmm, that yep. was funny. Mm. Uh-huh. Okay. And that was it. Like, there's just a little blip. I you know, see. there's a little emotion, but you can't, you know, you're not fully out with it. Right. As opposed to constricted, where you will have all the emotion, but you will hold on to it. Mm-hmm. You will contract yeah. and not show any. You won't even have a tear because you'll be so constricted. So I think that is a good distinction between blunted and constricted. Yeah. And then flat is just like there's just no emotion there. But talk about labile because labile is one we often run into in mental health because we we see a discrepancy. Like somebody could be really sad in mental health, they'll be sad and you can see the sadness and yet they'll be laughing or they'll be smiling or they'll be talking about a trauma and and laughing or smiling. When I, as a practitioner, am seeing the tremendous sadness here that I would say in my column on affect, I would say labile affect. They're acting totally inappropriate or differently than what they're really feeling. And then, of course, it could be uh, egregious, too, an exaggerated feeling. So they could be telling me a dramatic story, telling me something that's happened to them, and it could be very um, animated and rich um, and exaggerated. And I'm knowing that it's exaggerated. This is a labile effect as well. It's got an instability to it. Right. It has an instability to it. It's, it seems to be coming from the head and not from the heart. Right. On some level. Right. Right. So there's the question. So how did that make you feel is where that phrase comes in handy. So that drops them down and say, oh, I have to feel. And yeah, that's what we hear. So labile effect, labile effect. So there's a spectrum. And I'm wondering, like, how are you showing up in the world, Nasima? What affect? Like, I think everybody's walking around with a constricted affect. Or maybe a blunted affect. Let's say blunted. I'd say blunted because it almost feels like all the stress of this time has caused, like we were saying in the beginning, caused us to just pull back our feelings because there's just too much to feel. There's too much to feel. There's too much, you know, uncertainty and 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 pain and anguish out there and and, and unknowns that it's like, just pull it in. Let's just pull it in. Yes. Keep it low. Yes. So how do we, how do we help people with this? I mean, um, when people are getting together, let's say you're having dinner with your family, and how do we help them like get away or avoid, or come out of rather, the blunted affect? I mean, I would think one way is to not talk about what's going on in the news. Not, let's not talk. You know, if we're going to meet and meet uh, and talk together, let's not talk about. What's going on in the media or, or the latest news or the latest numbers? Let's talk about something else. Is that a, isn't that a way to get access maybe to a, a greater chance at having a, a different kind of emotion, a different kind of feeling or access to emotions in the first place? I because would... we already know the reaction everybody's having to the regular news. You know, it's, it's almost opposite to World War II. It strikes me like everybody there, there was a happy topic. You know, there was a joined um, commitment and a shared feeling, a positive shared feeling of hopefulness. 
during the war. And that's why, by the way, um, there was virtually no incidence of depression. Everybody had a purpose. During World War II. Everybody had the opportunity. Psychiatrists were out of business. Yeah. Because the whole, everybody was swept up in these target is outside of us. The enemy is outside and we can, we all have a shared purpose um, that we were doing something about, you know. But so it strikes me that the pandemic, what we're dealing with now is kind of the opposite of that. We can't be hopeful. We're not joining in 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 a spirit of conquest and conquering. No, we actually have to sit at home. Right. And hear the latest and be without work News. and right. yeah and right. be in a total unknown situation and be in, in fear it's mm. a it's a great recipe for for trauma triggers and and anger and frustration and yeah uh, a blunting of emotions absolutely makes to sense. get through it makes all the sense in the world but there's a chance to have some real emotions and real feelings with some real people in your world and it's important to, it's important to access and feel your emotions, to let yourself feel some of this pain, maybe with someone, maybe not, to to feel pain, to feel joy, to feel celebration, to let yourself feel some of these emotions. Because if you don't, it does kind of build up in the body in stressful ways. It can impact your immune system, Yes. which we want our immune systems to be as healthy as possible. So really important to notice if you're feeling like a blunted emotional life. We need to we need to take the lid off a little bit. Good news is book sales are up 21%. <laughs> Did you notice that? That's good news. Well, everybody's staying at home. And maybe maybe in reading those books they'll come to But some. I mean it strikes me like as being part of a book club a Zoom book club is a chance to have some some affect really to have some feelings to show some emotion with people. So a shared book. So we're talking at this stage about ways to help people get a wider range of emotion and feelings. And there are some some good news. There is some good news coming out. People are reading. More people are reading. So, so reading, but I mean, also I heard the other day that um, the number one dance music has has the number one kind of music in the country now, uh, and they tracked it to like 118 beats per minute. That people are responding; they're they're yearning for upbeat music um, for a reason, right? I mean, they the you know if you're dancing, you're not sad. If you're dancing, your affect is not constricted. I mean, imagine, I mean, that, there's a good way to look at affect, right? Look at the people at weddings on the dance floor. You could tell which ones have a broad affect and which ones have a flat or labile or, or you know, broad or, or constricted. Go ahead. And I've heard that there are DJs that are spinning sets for people, thousands of people all over the world now. Everybody at home right. dancing to these DJ sets and all different kinds of music. All you know, it's it's kind of wonderful. It's a little bit of a a, a revolution happening underneath in some way. It's like we're just going to dance anyway. Right. Imagine if you could dance with your parents. If you could have just put on some happy music with your parents. Say, mom and dad, you know, you just, you know. You're just so unhappy all the time. Let's. I have some music that I want to play, and then the three of you just dance together. And and after you dance, 
if you have an opportunity to, you know, sit down and just let yourself be quiet a little bit, you might start to feel some of the other emotions come up. Like there's something about when you when you move your body and you breathe deeply, it can sometimes unlock some of the deeper, harder emotions. And when you do that, it's it's such a wonderful release and it can release some of the burden. It can give space and time to these feelings that are also real. The hopelessness, the helplessness, the fear, the anxiety, um, the concern for your loved ones, the loss or grief that you might be feeling for a job, a lifestyle, friend, family member who may have Right. Passed. To not be afraid of any feeling. I think a lot of people constrict their affect and their emotions because they're afraid to feel the bad ones. And the problem with that is if you constrict to feel the bad ones, you don't open to feel the good ones. So this pandemic, this experience we're all having could be a real education for yourself. And I think a lot of people are learning self-care through this and maybe going to take it forward with them. Hopefully. And 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 study these dark emotions, these these negative emotions, or these constricted emotions. Study them, like Nassim is saying. Sit down with them. They're they're variable. Emotions are variable. They will not last. They do not stay. Um, so you can change them, but you you should first let yourself have them. And there are many many ways to trigger them and get them. We're talking about, you know, music. And dancing, and um, and then slowing down, reading, and, feeling. and slowing down, and feeling. And let's talk finally about that slowing down, because you know, as I was saying, we started the show, me talking about me taking my emotional temperature during the week, and really feeling like, where are my feelings? I'm not really having any, and or I seem to be having the same one spread out over every day. There's a dominant umbrella one, and then there's the smaller ones underneath. And there's something that we were talking about before the show, that if you hang in there, and if you do sit by yourself and see what you're feeling, and it is this kind of drab feeling, that if you hang in there with it and don't jolt yourself out of it, that watch it and see it, see it turn, that... There's a better feeling on the other side. I know for me, when I've hung out there with it and watched it all the way to the end of it, I've gotten animated to actually go exercise and and to actually go put on some different music I haven't heard. Oh, I remember, you know, different music that I'm not normally listening to in the normal world. So there's a benefit to if you have a flat affect or a labile affect or a constricted affect or a blunted affect to sit with yourself, ask, what am I feeling? One to five, am I feeling? And then to sit and watch the feeling or the staleness or whatever. Watch yeah. it and then watch it go. It will go. It absolutely will. Because the, the more that we're sort of aware of it, the more space we give to it, then it gets a chance to move. If you try to ignore it and pretend it's not there, it doesn't it doesn't get any opportunity to move. And that's what emotions want to do. They want to move. They want to give you movement and bring back vitality. And so we're wrapping up our show and and you know, I didn't think about this before the show, but dancing with your parents. 
That's just picture that. We we had you look at your parents' face as you were growing up. Now see them dancing with you. Imagine your dad letting it all hang out. You've been listening to The Positive Mind. I'm Kevin O'Donoghue, licensed New York State mental health counselor. And I'm Nassima Diane Deemer, licensed massage therapist and trauma specialist. If you want to reach us, you can reach us at thepositivemindcenter.com or Kevin at The Positive Mind or Nasima at The Positive Mind. Have a good week, folks. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.